Hello and welcome back to the Yeshua Judaism series of podcasts. This will hopefully be the concluding part of Antichrist 2, and I've previously explained what I mean by Antichrist 1 and Antichrist 2, therefore I will not go into that here. Basically, Antichrist 2 is the series of discussions that get into the precise definition and explanation of what the term Antichrist really means. Interestingly, I'm recording this on Passover or Pesach in the year 2020, and there are a lot of people out there that would that would say and would condemn me, saying, you're violating the Shabbat, you're violating that rest day, you should be resting and studying the Word of God, studying Torah on Passover. That's true, however, I decided to go ahead and record, because oddly, what I attempt to do, and many other people, is to rescue, in effect, to get Christians to leave the Egypt, the Egypt, the Egyptian paganism that unfortunately infests Christianity. And so just as in the first Passover, the original Passover, the Israelites left Egypt and escaped Egypt, they were redeemed from Egypt via the Passover, well, the same attempt the same hope uh, is that Christians will leave Egypt. Because frankly, people, Christians out there, they say, oh, Jesus or Yeshua is a Passover lamb. But they forget this interesting fact. Why were they redeemed? Why was Israel redeemed? They were redeemed for the purpose of going to Mount Sinai and accepting God's Torah. You see it throughout the plague. Moses kept saying, let my people go. Why? So they can celebrate a feast. He's talking about accepting Torah. So that's why they were redeemed. So they could then go straight to Mount Sinai and take the Torah from God and be his people. Well, Christians reject Torah. Christianity rejects the Torah. It's anti-Torah by, by its very definition. It's a foundational doctrine of Christianity is anti-Torah. So guess what, Christians? You've never actually accepted the Passover lamb. You refuse to accept the Passover that is, according to you, represented by Christ. You refuse to do it. Why? Because you will not go accept the Torah. So Christian, don't say that Jesus is our Passover lamb when you refuse to accept the Torah. You're staying in Egypt. You're choosing to stay in Egypt. Go read the Passover. And actually, Christian, if you really believe that Yeshua or Jesus is your Passover, then why don't you do what the Passover demanded? Accept the eternal Torah of God. So, this discussion of Antichrist is one of the Egyptian paganism ideals that people need to understand. Christianity needs to understand. Christians need to understand, as, as I will describe later, you are unwittingly actually worshiping Antichrist. I will now delve into explaining that and clarifying what I mean by that statement. Now, from part two, you may recall, and this was a very important point, so I'm going to repeat it. The spirit of Antichrist, which is mentioned in John or in John's epistles, he mentions the spirit of Antichrist. He also mentions the spirit of error, all right, in the epistles of John. And I quoted that earlier in part two, toward the end of part two. And the important point there is that the spirit of Antichrist is the same thing as the spirit of error, which he also mentions, both of which are false doctrines. Therefore, the Antichrist primarily represents a set of false teachings. Those who accept those teachings, those false doctrines that are promoted by the spirit of error, are unintentional victims of the spirit of Antichrist. So Antichrist is not an individual. It is primarily representative of a set of false teachings or false ideology. 
So, Antichrist was and is representative of a doctrine or a set of doctrines that oppose the truth concerning Messiah or Christ. This set of doctrines was already beginning to be spread in the latter part of the first century as false teachers betrayed the truth and went out promoting teachings that were and still are in opposition to the true Messiah. All right, and you may recall the definitions we gave of anti in Antichrist. Now, there is more than one Antichrist, okay? So now I will present yet another warning from John's second epistle that supports this. I'll be reading from 2 John verse 7, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess or acknowledge Yeshua Messiah as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Now, earlier we proved that the term many, now when I say earlier, I'm actually referring to Antichrist 1, what is shown on the website as Antichrist Part 1, which I will record immediately following this recording. I will go in and record Antichrist Part 1. And we proved within that series of discussions that the term many, which John uses in 2 John verse 7, refers to a very large number of people. Now, do not forget that during this discussion. Many refers to a large number of people. Now, this warning that John gives in 2 John chapter 7 is almost the exact same warning he gave in 1 John chapter 4, verses 2 and 3. Once again, just like then, John is likely warning to beware of many people who will spread many various false teachings, including, but not limited to, the teaching of some who did not accept that Messiah ben Yosef had come in the person of Yeshua. He, in other words, among those many are those people who simply rejected Yeshua as Messiah, and that's obvious. He may also be warning us to beware of those who do not confess, or better translated, acknowledge that Yeshua the Messiah is a 100% pure flesh and blood human. Basically, John was warning us to beware of a flood of false teachers and false teachings. Note how John specifically mentioned an Antichrist, thus clearly implying there is more than one. Also, note that many deceivers had gone out and how that statement is within the same sentence in which he states that such is representative of an Antichrist. Therefore, we have many deceivers yet one single Antichrist. How is this so? Because you remember, he says, he mentions many deceivers, again clarifying, he mentions that many deceivers had gone out, and that he states that they were representative of an Antichrist. Therefore, we have many deceivers, yet an singular Antichrist. How is this so? It is so because Antichrist does not represent an individual. Again, the term Antichrist, despite what the Christian foolish teachers are saying, is not an individual. It represents a set of false teachings, and many people can each promote those many false teachings. That is why many deceivers, that is multiple people, were promoting an Antichrist, that is, a single false doctrine relating to Christ or Messiah. Therefore, a single Antichrist, that is, a single set of false teachings, can be promoted by numerous people. Likewise, numerous differing 
Antichrist, that is, differing deceptions relating to Christ, can be promoted by different or separate groups of people, that is, by different deceivers. Thus, it can be deduced that deceivers are the same as the Antichrist promoters in John's epistle. Deceivers equal Antichrist promoters. Obviously, deceivers practice deception, which is a synonym, that is, an equivalent term, for the word error. The spirit of error, John discusses, indwells such deceivers. Who are those which promote the Antichrist deception? As I point out in the other discussion, which investigates if Christians are actually taught to follow Messiah, and that is in podcast and YouTube format, as well as written format, as I discuss in that, in that uh, article and in that reading and podcast, the Christ being promoted by Christianity is not a pro-Torah or pro-law Messiah. On the contrary, the Christ of Christianity is an anti-Torah Messiah. He is a replacement Christ that allegedly came, according to Christianity, to do away with Torah. Even though he directly stated that's not why he came, Christians ignore the very words of Christ. And I proved that in that discussion. In the discussion as to, of does Christianity truly follow Christ, I prove conclusively no. Christianity, by and large, actually opposes Christ. It actually teaches against Christ, and that's easy to prove. And the primary way they do it is by teaching against Messiah's or Christ's pro-Torah faith example and teachings. They ignore the love of Torah that Yeshua the Messiah had. So, Christianity's anti-Torah Christ and the pro-Torah Messiah, John and his true brethren knew, are the exact opposite of one another. Did you hear that? The anti-Torah Christ of Christianity and the pro-Torah Messiah, John and, his, and the original followers of Yeshua, knew are the exact opposites. The false Christ, yes, false Christ of Christianity is indeed opposite to a usurper of, and in place of, the true Messiah. And remember, the term anti in Antichrist can be and is translated and does mean opposite to, a usurper of, and in place of. That's what the term anti, the Greek term anti, means. So the Christ of Christianity is truly opposite to, a usurper of, and in place of the true Messiah. It is therefore, the Christ of Christianity is therefore, literally by definition, an Antichrist. Note the following from the verses within Matthew's Gospel. And this is from Matthew 24, verses 10 and 11. And I go into Matthew 24 in depth in Antichrist 1. Again, Antichrist 24, verses 10 and 11. Then many will be led into sin, and they will betray one another and hate one another, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. And because lawlessness or Torahlessness will increase so much, the love of many will grow cold. As I discuss elsewhere on the TorahMessiah.org website and within podcast, the Greek term anomia or anomia, rendered as lawlessness in what I just read from the Gospel of Matthew, is a direct reference to Torah violation or contempt for Torah. It is an anti-Torah mindset. Anomia means an anti-Torah mindset. The false prophets of which Yeshua specifically warns us to beware in Matthew chapter 24 are those who oppose Torah. 
Yet, opposition to Torah is the most fundamental of all of Christianity's teachings. It is almost universally accepted within all the various denominations of Christianity. It is largely because of such an anti-Torah mindset that, as Christ says, many will be led into sin. Since, without Torah, it is impossible to even know the definition of sin. Also, recall Messiah's warning from Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5, which again we discuss in Antichrist 1. Allow me to refresh your memory with the corrected punctuation which we cover in that previous part of this study, that is, Antichrist 1. Reading from Matthew chapter 24, verses 4 and 5, and I'll be reading from the NET version. Yeshua answered them, Watch out that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive many. Barid, notice, many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will deceive, or excuse me, mislead many. Now, I go into that because most versions, they, see, punctuation does not exist in the Greek. Most translators purposely mislead by quoting this or putting this in English as, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will mislead many. In other words, they advance these or suggest that these many coming in his name are claiming to be Messiah. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Messiah is saying, many will come in his name, saying that he is the Christ, that's correct, but they will then mislead many people. Well, by rejecting Torah, Christianity has largely become a comfortable home within which sin can flourish, and it certainly does within many Christian groups particularly the once-saved-always-saved fools. So, just as Yeshua warns in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 24 in Matthew, most of the people who rightly identify him as Christ are those who to whom Messiah refers in verse 11 of Matthew 24 when he mentions false prophets who appear and deceive many. Antichrist, exposed from hiding in plain sight. I presented the two primary characteristics of the true Messiah earlier. Here, I will show a comparison of that true Messiah to the Antichrist being promoted by traditional Christianity and counterfeit messianic groups. Yes, Christianity is promoting an antichrist. So, the true Messiah, Yeshua, whom John the Apostle knew, versus the Messiah promoted by Christianity. Now, note the differences, people. Note the differences. And remember, the spirit of Antichrist is a spirit of error. Remember, Antichrist primarily represents a set of false teachings which corrupt the understanding of Messiah or cross, or, excuse me, or Christ, which usurp Christ or which replace Christ with a counterfeit. All right, first, the Messiah of the New Testament, whom John personally knew. He was the anointed one or the sent one. He was the fully empowered human agent and future earthly king chosen by the Almighty Creator. He was 100% human, just as any other human, except for his more exalted neshama or spirit. He was not and is not God in the flesh. Now contrast that 
with the Spirit or with the Messiah or Christ promoted by Christianity. Christianity says he is God in the flesh, the eternal creator walking the earth as a man who was killed and somehow resurrected by a separate part of himself to whom he also directed worship, devotion, and prayer before his death. He somehow prayed to himself. That's what Christianity teaches. Notice the contrast? Secondly, the Messiah of the New Testament whom John personally knew, his teachings and faith practices were firmly and irrefutably pro-Torah. They strongly favored Torah or law. Contrast that with the Messiah or Christ promoted by Christianity. Their Christ is anti-Torah. He is opposed to Torah. Notice that is a direct opposite to the true Christ. And though he perfectly obeyed and promoted Torah, this is again is the Messiah or Christ of Christianity, anti-Torah, and though he perfectly obeyed and promoted it, nevertheless, according to Christianity, their Christ came to abolish Torah. And they say it was nailed to the cross, which, by the way, is a grossly misinterpreted verse. Grossly misinterpreted. Note the contrast there. The true Christ is pro-Torah. The Christ of Christianity is anti-Torah. Again, the first one, the true Christ was not God. The Christ of Christianity is God. Now we go to point three. The Messiah of the New Testament whom the Apostle John knew, he was at that time Messiah ben Yosef or Messiah ben Joseph and the completed tzaddik or perfectly righteous human. And in the future, he will return as Messiah ben David, Messiah son of David. The Christ of Christianity, he was then, during that period of time, extending into the present, Messiah, son of David. The concept of Messiah, son of Joseph, or Messiah ben Joseph, and the completed tzaddik are ignored or, as is most often the case, totally unknown within Christianity. All right, now go back and listen to that comparison, or better yet, if you go to the website to Antichrist Part 2 and scroll down to page 12 of that PDF writing, you will see them in a table. You will see side by side the comparison of the true Messiah that John the Apostle knew versus the false Messiah promoted by Christianity. Take a look at that comparison. Note how very, very different the Messiah the Apostle John personally knew is from the one that is being promoted by Christianity. They are very different people. In two cases, in two of the three descriptions I provided, they're the exact opposite. Can there be any doubt of what I will state next? No. It is an obvious truth. I am absolutely convinced, I am fully persuaded that the anti-Torah, God in the flesh, Christ being promoted by Christianity and to a lesser extent, the God in the flesh Messiah being promoted by counterfeit messianism is precisely what a particularly deceptive and dangerous spirit of Antichrist represents since it, it, since it presents a completely different Christ in place of the true Messiah that John the Apostle and all the original followers of Yeshua knew. The Christ promoted, the anti-Torah God-man promoted by Christianity is indeed the most prevalent and spiritually damaging and long-lasting anti-Christ. The traditional Christian lawless Anti-Torah Christ is particularly horrific and anti-Christ. The Christ of traditional Christianity and counterfeit messianism is one that is a usurper of the true Hebraic pro-Torah Messiah. Christianity and counterfeit messianism define a pagan Roman God in the flesh that is a replacement of an 
and an adversary of the actual Hebraic Messiah Yeshua. Christianity's Jesus Christ is a phony representation of Yeshua the Messiah who is introduced in the pages of the New Testament. The Jesus Christ, the the lawless man-God Jesus Christ of Christianity is a bogus Christ. And therefore, the Jesus Christ of contemporary Christianity is indeed an imitation, a phony, a counterfeit Messiah who differs in the two most fundamental ways from the true Messiah of the New Testament, whom John and his fellow followers of Messiah knew in the first century. Christianity even changed his name. They even changed the name of Messiah by renaming him Jesus in place of his true name, Yeshua. So they can't even use the correct name of Messiah. They changed it, and believe me, people, they know his real name is Yeshua. Jesus is not the English translation of Yeshua, as so many people seem to think. At least, however, the replacement Messiah of counterfeit messianism does not advocate lawlessness, as does the traditional Christian version. The Apostle John states that those who follow this replacement Messiah, this bogus Messiah, are of the spirit of Antichrist and are following the replacement of usurper of, and adversary of Messiah. Tragically, Christians, counterfeit messianics, and those who often guide them ignore these warnings as well as the overwhelming weight of Scripture as they follow a spirit of error by bowing down to a man-god, anti-Torah Messiah of purely pagan origins. But we have further warnings from the Apostle John. Before leaving this issue, I'd like to point out more warnings from John's epistles, warnings to which Christians and counterfeit messianics should give serious consideration. From John's first epistle we read, and this is from 1 John chapter 2, verses 22 through 26, and I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Who is a liar but he who denies that Yeshua is the Christ or Messiah? He is Antichrist, that is, a usurper of Messiah, who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive, that is, to seduce or cause you to go astray. They try to deceive you. And that completes the the reading from 1 John chapter 2, verse 22 through 26. Now, note how in that reading, John equates liars with those who deny that Yeshua is Messiah. He further equates this denial of the true Messiah with the teachings of Antichrist or Antimessiah. And as we've said earlier, anti, one translation is a usurper of. So if you deny that Yeshua is Messiah, you're obviously a usurper of Messiah, and obviously you are following an Antichrist ideology. One type of an Antichrist ideology. Since John was a Jew, a Hebrew who thought and wrote entirely within his Hebraic Torah worldview, the true Messiah that he states the Antichrist deny would be the human Torah-embracing Messiah defined by John's Hebraic Jewish understanding. In other words, those who follow the Antichrist, that is, the replacement Messiah, the anti-Messiah, deny and oppose the true Hebraic Jewish Messiah. 
the Apostle John stated that those who deny the legitimate, legitimate Messiah or who promote and follow a counterfeit Messiah actually deny the Father and the Son, since denial of the authentic Messiah and the one and only true God who sent him by promoting a false concept of each is the same as openly denying them both. John further warns in verse 24 that the same Hebraic Jewish Messiah that had been taught from the beginning of the first century Messianic faith movement must abide in those claiming to follow that Messiah. If that Messiah abides in us, we can be promised of a sure hope for eternal life. Note how eternal life was defined by Yeshua, by Yeshua the Messiah himself. Now note this. Also note the clear distinction within what he says between himself and the only true God, that is, the God whom Yeshua worshipped. And Yeshua, note the distinction between Yeshua, the one who spoke the words I'm about to read, and the God he worshipped, whom he called the one and only true God. And I'll be reading from John chapter 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life. Now, remember, this is Yeshua himself speaking. This is Jesus. This is Yeshua speaking. He is going to give us in one sentence the, the basically, you can crunch it down and put it in one sentence. This is the synopsis. This is the, uh, I guess, the summary of what it is to have eternal life, what you need to believe to have eternal life. He gives it to us in one sentence. And this is eternal life, that they may know you. Now notice, Yeshua is praying in John chapter 17. This is during a prayer of Yeshua to the God he worshipped, which, by the way, was not himself. You don't have a God praying to a God there as foolish Christian leaders would have you believe. You have the Messiah, a man praying to the one and only God. And you don't have Yeshua, Messiah, praying to himself. John chapter 17, 3, during his prayer, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. And, note the distinction, Yeshua the Messiah, or Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. There you have, in, a, in one sentence, what you must believe to have a hope for eternal life. You must worship the only true God, and you believe in Yeshua, whom he sent. Christianity does not worship that only true God. They worship a pagan trinity or a, some sort of pagan variation in which they call a man God. Finally, in verse 26 of 1 John chapter 2, John states that he wrote to the recipients of his epistle for the purpose of directly warning them of the spirit of error, replacement Messiah, so that they would not be deceived. As shown in the verses from chapter 2 of 1 John, quoted earlier, the term deceive means to seduce or to cause to go astray. Thus, John was writing so that we would not be seduced or caused to go astray by those promoting the replacement Messiah, by those promoting an antichrist. Sadly, all but a few have totally ignored the Apostle John's warnings. Most Christians, and to a lesser extent, counterfeit messianics, are squarely and probably permanently deceived by the very Antichrist spirit of error that John so passionately pleaded for us to resist and to avoid. John warned us, he warned us, that false teachings were present even then and would continue. Furthermore, 
he warned us that those who taught these false teachings would claim to be our brethren and leaders. Antichrist is here, has been here for centuries, and is very easily located. Yes, indeed, ever since the early centuries, the spirit of Antichrist has been in the world. It is now in virtually every Christian church, taught by virtually every Christian leader, and followed by almost every Christian. The same applies to counterfeit messianics who embrace the Roman great harlot's idolatrous God-in-the-flesh teaching lie. I would not be surprised if, in order to solidify the deception Christianity wishes to promote, that there may actually arise an individual in the last days whom Christianity will label as the Antichrist. And such an individual may truly be an Antichrist. But remember, there are many Antichrist. However, that in no way diminishes the fact that Antichrist actually represents rejection of the pro-Torah Yeshua as Messiah. It represents false doctrines which misrepresent Him, or definitions of Messiah which define a counterfeit Messiah. Unfortunately, all of those are present today, most notably in Christianity. It is a tragic fact that the anti-Torah, God-in-the-flesh, Jesus Christ, which Christianity accepts and promotes, is a counterfeit. The lawless anti-Torah, man-God, Jesus Christ of Christianity is a replacement Messiah, a bogus Messiah who differs immensely and in crucial ways from the true Messiah as he is actually represented in the New Testament writings. Therefore, by accepting and promoting a counterfeit, both Christianity and counterfeit messianism are effectively rejecting the true Messiah and have instead embraced an antichrist. Yes, if you are a typical Christian, you are being taught to embrace an antichrist. Now the conclusion. Ample evidence has been presented in this discussion which proves wrong the fanciful concept that the Antichrist is an evil and powerful political or military leader. Such characters are ref are not excuse me, such characters are referenced separately in Scripture. They have and will appear on the world stage, but they are not the Antichrist. Every time throughout history that such a leader has arisen, many people have labeled him as Antichrist. Time passes on and their label is proven incorrect, but then they simply latch on to the next evil leader and label him as Antichrist. That label is again proven wrong, but they continue to repeat the same error over and over. At times, it seems to be some sort of silly name the Antichrist game where people compete with regard to who can identify the Antichrist. There are now new Antichrist personalities that are being allegedly identified by various Christians and false prophets. All this does is confuse, misdirect, and falsely present the true meaning of the term Antichrist. It also empowers and conceals the spirit of Antichrist by helping to conceal the correct definition of Antichrist, thus making it more likely that people will unknowingly embrace an Antichrist, a true Antichrist. Properly defined, Antichrist is a component of the spirit of error or the spirit of Antichrist. That error is represented by doctrines which promote a counterfeit Christ, a counterfeit Messiah, 
and the two most profoundly incorrect of those doctrines are the idolatrous teaching that Messiah is God in the flesh and that he came to abolish Torah. The correct understanding of Antichrist is very easy to grasp, people. All a person needs to do is look at the literal translation of the Greek word Antichristos, as we did within this discussion. Just look at the actual translated meaning of the word. That is all that is required. Then simply match what you observe within various teachings within, of Christianity to the legitimate truths regarding the fully human pro-Torah Messiah as he is actually presented in the New Testament. If what you observe differs with the Messiah as he is truly presented, then you have just identified an Antichrist teaching. All that is required is knowledge of the literal definition of Antichrist, the literal translation. Simple. Tragically, the spirit of error, or spirit of Antichrist, is so strong, it is probable that many Christians may actually reject and actively oppose Messiah when he returns to establish his earthly kingdom. This is due to the popular false teachings within Christianity regarding Antichrist, which suggests that much of what Yeshua the Messiah will accomplish when he returns will define him as Antichrist to them. This is particularly true when the fact that he will return as a very strong pro-Torah personality is considered. Since Christianity opposes Torah, or in some cases outright condemns it, the strongly pro-Torah returning Messiah will be evil to them, since he will teach the polar opposite of what Christianity teaches with respect to Torah. In addition, when the facts that he may become popular among Jews, whom most Christians condemn to hell, and that he may possibly conduct military conquest or defend Israel, when those are all considered, the powerful political and military leader definition most often applied to Antichrist by Christianity's foolish lying deceivers will be applied to him. Since some Christians think Antichrist will be Jewish, the situation will be even more likely to cause him to be labeled an Antichrist. That is, cause the true Messiah, the true Yeshua when he returns, to be labeled Antichrist by many Christians. It is also due to the separate yet also Antichrist-relevant false teachings among many Christian groups who either believe in the ridiculous rapture lie or amillennialists, that is, those who reject that there will be an earthly reign of Messiah, or both. Since foolish, stupid rapture believers think they will be raptured away or taken and thus not be here when Messiah is fighting his battles, and amillennialists do not think any of the actions that will usher in the Messianic era will literally occur, since that is the case, they will both likely reject Yeshua when he returns to establish the kingdom of God on earth, in which he will be anointed as the chosen king of all the world. In multiple ways, Christians are being set up to reject Messiah when he returns. And a primary way that is being accomplished is with the dreadfully false, absurd, unscriptural, various antichrist scenarios promoted by Christianity's deceivers. Christians are oblivious to the fact that by accepting the God in the flesh, Torah-abolishing, falsely named Jesus Christ promoted by Christianity, they are already embracing the Antichrist. Indeed, by embracing the false Messiah of traditional Christianity, 
Christians are being led squarely into the stronghold of the spirit of error, the spirit of Antichrist. If you still are not convinced this is a legitimate understanding of Antichrist that I am presenting, consider the following quote, which supports a primary component of my hypothesis. It is taken from the explanatory notes found in the back of The Scriptures, a translation of the Bible published by the Institute for Scripture Research. I differ to some extent with the quote. Nevertheless, to be fair, I will quote their discussion of Antichrist, which they translate as Anti-Messiah, in its entirety, with emphasis on the statements that pertain to this particular discussion you are hearing. I do not necessarily completely agree with their opinion. However, they do at least recognize that if Antichrist had been translated instead of purposely left untranslated by Christian scholars and translators, then it would probably have been translated as in place of or instead of Messiah, which is the same thing as a replacement or counterfeit or bogus Christ. So quoting from the scriptures, quote, Anti-Messiah, and this is a literal quote, Anti-Messiah, there are many anti-Messiahs. 1 John chapter 2.18 Yet there is an important one, and many theories have been presented throughout the centuries. Most of them identify this anti-Messiah with the ones we read about in Isaiah 14, chapter 12 through 14, Daniel 7, Daniel 8, Daniel 9, Daniel 11, and Matthew 24, verses 15, 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 1 through 12, and Revelation chapter 13. In Revelation chapter 13, we read of two beasts, the one seemingly a political power and the other a religious one. This latter seems to be more closely linked to the one we read of in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and also the abomination that lays waste of which we read in Daniel, in three places and which Yeshua quotes in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Now, now listen to this. This is what I emphasize. This is, I'm still quoting. If we study the Greek word anti, we discover that it more frequently means in place of or instead of in the Messianic scriptures, that is the New Testament, than its other meaning of against. Is this then not what the Messiah prophesied about when he spoke of another one in John chapter 5, verse 43? Further, is it not the same other one that Shaul or the Apostle Paul spoke about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4? Whoever or whatever the anti-Messiahs are, they are all used by Satan for he is behind them all. He even masquerades as a messenger of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. And that ends the quote. I agree that one of the potential anti-Messiahs is a fictitious religious beast of sorts, and I believe it to be the man-god anti-Torah Jesus Christ counterfeit Messiah that is promoted by the Holy Roman Empire beast system, Christianity. I also feel it is possible that the current primary beast system may be Islam, which replaced Christianity in terms of dominance and influence in the religion of the Holy Land centuries ago. Of course, it is that Holy Land region of the world that is, Israel and the surrounding nations, that prophecy focuses upon. There is a long-standing Hebraic interpretation which teaches that the feet of iron and clay on the giant statue that was interpreted by Daniel in chapter 2 of the prophetic book of Daniel represents Islam, the clay, and Christianity, the iron. Therefore, it is quite possible that a dual beast system 
is to be considered. This is particularly true when one considers that each part of that giant image in Nebuchadnezzar's dream represents a kingdom that will rise and fall. Therefore, the feet of iron and clay actually represents a single kingdom, the only one not yet destroyed, which combines both of the two largest world religious systems, iron, that is Christianity, and clay, which is Islam. And of course, that feet of iron and clay kingdom is the very last that will exist. And it will be totally and permanently destroyed by Messiah when he arrives to institute the Messianic era. But that's another topic for a different study. The Christ of the Holy Roman Empire is put in place of the true Messiah by Christian leaders who have followed the spirit of delusion, the spirit of Antichrist, since the 4th century CE. That Christ is an idol fashioned together from pagan Roman religions and thus a non-existent manifestation in the imagination of many misled Christians and to a lesser extent, also counterfeit messianics. That religious beast results from the various antichrist false teachings promoted by those two groups. Yes, the false replacement messiah being promoted by Christianity is a counterfeit messiah. It is an antichrist. In fact, if there is one single characterization that could be called the Antichrist, it is Christianity's Torah-abolishing, God-in-the-flesh, phony Messiah. May the Eternal One, blessed be He, open hearts and minds to the true Messiah. May Messiah Yeshua, as He is actually represented in the New Testament, be embraced by all, and return soon. May it be so. Thank you for listening, and goodbye.